Welcome to Researchers on the Record. This series is brought to you by the Physiotherapy Research Foundation, which supports the promotion and translation of research and is sponsored by PainAway, Australia's number one pain relief brand containing naturally derived active ingredients and partner of the Physiotherapy Research Foundation. Hello and thanks for listening. My name is Claire Pickering and I am delighted to welcome to the show Weizhou Chang. Weizhou, thank you for taking the time to speak on the record with us today. Thank you for having me here today. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the people on whose country I'm speaking from today, the Yulikit Willem people of the Boomerang country that make up the greater Kulin nations. I would like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging and thank them for their continuous care of this land. And where are you speaking from today, Weizhou? I'm today on the land of Gadigal people, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging too. Weizhou, before we dive into this magical world of research, I've done some research of my own, and I understand that you started studying forestry prior to physiotherapy. So I'd love you to take us back to the beginning of this journey for you. How did you start in forestry and then end up in research? I was born in Taiwan and I grew up there. Back then, I guess the university entry exam, the scores decide where you go to university. I wasn't aware there was a professional called physiotherapy when I started. So my first uni was um, assigned to forestry at National Taiwan University. I like it, but somehow I didn't feel quite fit with the course I was doing. So one day I just bumped into one of my friends who was studying physiotherapy second year, and he told me what he was doing and the prospect of the profession. So I feel that that sounds more interesting and I would like to give that a go. So I just changed my course the following year. Then that's 20 years ago at least. So no regrets in that rather dramatic change in Korea. No, no. In fact, before I transferred into the course, the head of school said, oh, it's quite different when we study in physio. It might take you one extra year. I remember I, would, I told myself that, no, I'm going to finish the degree the same time as everyone else. So it took a while, but I did graduate at the same time as my cohort. So that was great. Wow, so you were just working twice as hard as everybody else? Uh, yeah, just some extra courses I need to take to make up the things I didn't do in the first year. Looking back, I, I still think it, it was a right decision for myself. Then I graduated and I worked at a major teaching hospital in Taipei for five years, treating patients and supervising students as um, everyone else then. Then I decided to come to Australia to do my master's in uh, musculoskeletal physio and sports. So I went to Adelaide University of South Australia to do my master's degree. At that time, I was still very focused on becoming a good clinician. But it, during the course, I also learned more about pain and neuroscience and how that applied in physio in the field of treating people with pain and all the other uh, sports injury and musculoskeletal problems. 
but doing research didn't actually enter my mind till much later when I have moved to Sydney to working in private practice. I just uh, encounter more and more difficult patients. I have no answer and I don't know how to help them. So I think I need to understand more about people who have pain and why, what we are doing, why as physio, things we could do, they don't really benefit much for the patients. So I decided to look into some sort of further research. Then I started looking around and end up, I decided to do a PhD at Western Sydney University. And back then just had the opportunity to apply for a scholarship and I, luckily I got in. So that's how I entered the world of research. So was your PhD effectively your first foray into research? Formally, yes. I think along the way, I helped out doing some patient recruitment for some clinical trials in the clinic. And I had a bit of test of doing um, systematic review during the master training. But yeah, PhD is actually my former kind of research experience. And I guess essentially research starts with a question, doesn't it? Yes. Or a problem to solve. Yeah, I, I think back then it's just had a desire to just learn more about pain and why some people get better after an episode of back pain, why other people struggle so much and for years to come. They, they just don't get any re- so relief. And I was also intrigued by the complexity of a human brain and the neuroplasticity, and I did a bit of reading on that. And I guess that kind of can sort of track all the way back to the two pain science and chronic pain management courses we had during my master's program. And I think that they planned a seed in my in my mind, but I I think it just gradually the desire to do more just sort of gets bigger as time goes. So the Physiotherapy Research Foundation has contributed to your research. Could you explain to our listeners what a seeding grant is and what it means for you as a researcher? So a seeding fund is just, I see that as a opportunity for especially emerging early career researcher or clinician who had some idea to run a small research project. And so it's competitive funding scheme through uh, APA. So I was lucky enough to get a word of um, seeding fund to do a project on knee osteoarthritis. I'm interested to understand why quadriceps muscle weakness commonly seen in people who have osteo- knee osteoarthritis, why the muscle weakness persists even after they receive total knee replacement and including having so intensive post-operative rehab and so that that's how I um, decided to apply and luckily I got the award and I am in the process of completing the project at this stage. So that was awarded to you in 2019? That's correct, just before COVID started. Yeah, right. So can you tell us where the project is up to now? So unfortunately, just before we get started last year, we entered the first lockdown. And because the participant I was looking for has to come from a public hospital. So that wasn't the case. We couldn't actually proceed. So we could 
start the process again after the lockdown restriction was lifted so I could go through the ethic ap approval and set the sort of study protocol up and get through the recruitment process and we just about commence initial testing have a few participants in and the second lockdown hit again so everything is on hold again unfortunately yes so given the restrictions that you're under at the moment and the fact that you can't proceed i'd still love to go back to the beginning of what it's like receiving a seeding grant what does it actually mean for you as a researcher it means a lot, I think, because this is my success in any sort of ground application. So with this seeding grant, that provides me the, the opportunity to pursue the research area I'm really interested in and also give me the chance to collect some pilot data and hopefully by the end of the project that allows me to apply for a larger grant in the future and also the autonomy to actually run your own research project. This experience is very, I think it's important as, a, as an early career researcher. So with your research that you're focusing on, is it just about quadriceps weakness? I noticed before you talked about pain and I'm just curious to know if there is a link there. Yes, so my, my, my research interest is still in pain and neuroplasticity, the role of neuroplasticity in the development of chronic pain. And we know quadriceps muscle weakness is prevalent in people with knee osteoarthritis. And there's a previous research found that that's also linked to people's pain, especially with this before or after they received it, total knee replacement. So it is a condition we treat as a physio in a clinic. But what we also know, don't quite understand is why the muscle weakness persists long after surgery has been completed with um, rehab afterwards. Because the weakness is linked to some people that have persistent pain after surgery. So although I'm not directly looking into pain at this stage, it's more about understanding why the muscle weakness persists. And the area I'm looking at is the changes in the brain particularly the primary motor cortex region, we know that this area has an important role in pain processing. People have chronic pain, their brain function and structure changes, including the primary motor cortex. So we have this research approach using transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is a non-invasive brain stimulation. So use this technique, we can actually map this primary motor cortex, see the area that control the quadriceps muscles. And what we want to see is, do they change before and after total knee replacement? Because we also try to measure the muscle strength before and after the surgery. So we can join the link, see whether the change of the brain does occur after surgery. And does this brain change link to the muscle weakness as well? So basically, we try to find a missing link currently in the literature that we don't have answer at this stage. So the idea is when we have a better understanding of how the muscle weakness persists, then we might be able to come up with some new uh, treatment strategy to deal with this problem. And hopefully by improve patients' muscle strength, we can improve their function and reduce their 
pain if they still have experience after the surgery. Wow, it's fascinating research. My question then is, are there people with quadriceps weakness postoperatively who don't have pain, or is there always a link with pain? I don't think it's always linked with pain. Again, this is probably an area I need a little bit so further explore, but from the current literature, what we know is there are about up to 30% or 35% people have ongoing pain after total knee replacement. But muscle weakness can persist regardless the intensity of the pain. Part of that is really my clinical experience as, as well as some literature review I have done. So yes, whether there's a direct link between muscle weakness and pain, we don't know. But we do know muscle weakness linked to function. So even though it might not have any sort of direct influence if we increase muscle strength, at least we should be able to improve patient's function. By in, if we can find a different way to further enhance their muscle strength, improve their function. But I, I think pain is a complex issue. It has multiple kind of interaction with various factors so far, we've been just talking about the more physical side of issue. It still will link to the psychosocial side of pain issue, and which a lot of people, when they experience uh, persistent pain, they always have some this kind of very complex interaction with the other factors that I believe will need to be addressed at the same time. So when we do come out of this crazy COVID world that we're currently living in, what does your research project look like? And then what would your future research look like? Obviously, this is really a stepping stone, isn't it, into further research? Yeah, um, so hopefully we can come through this lockdown soon. And so by then, the goal obviously is to resume the research project. And hopefully I will have the other students that are currently with me in this project can continue with the project with me. But regardless, we'll try to complete this study more likely into next year. I would like to publish the result and use the result to further explore the complexity of neuroplasticity and in so chronic pain. This is, uh, I, I guess, is it's going to be a long journey. But I think this will be a fascinating area to continue to work on. Pain Away is Australia's number one joint and muscle spray and cream topical pain relief brand containing arnica and naturally derived active ingredients. The entire range of Pain Away sprays, creams and tablets is made in Australia, by Australians, for Australians. Always read the label, follow the directions for use. If symptoms persist, talk to your health professional. You love being a physio. You work hard to be your best. You are driven to help others. Research is the backbone of the physio profession and the Physiotherapy Research Foundation, the PRF, is all about research. We offer research grants, promote research and make it easy for you to access the latest research by creating bite-sized content so you can stay up to date and on the front foot. We know you are passionate about delivering the latest, effective, evidence-based care to your patients. And as an APA member, you are directly contributing to the PRF. Thank you for your support so we can continue helping you to be your best. You are the PRF.
To learn more about the Physiotherapy Research Foundation, head to australian.physio forward slash PRF. So musculoskeletal is your area of passion. Where are you working clinically? I'm still working in the same clinic as where I start how many years ago? I can't remember now. <laughs> yeah, so it's the, in southwest Sydney, uh, Campbelltown region in a private practice. Our case law is pretty similar to most of the private practice. We see musculoskeletal pain with um, various age groups and I have also been involved in some multidisciplinary chronic pain management with a pain specialist and a psychologist to provide some extra support for people who need the services. So I still work probably two and a half days a week in the clinic, but rest of time is my research time. So are knees specifically your area of interest or is it the whole musculoskeletal system? I guess in the prior practice, I kind of see patients who come with their problem. So yes, largely musculoskeletal, but um, there are other areas I have been involved, like um, people coming with uh, vertigo dizziness. I also see men came with um, urinary incontinence. So there are two kind of subspecial areas I have developed over the last few years. In the future, I will look into, potentially expand my research into those areas. It's just I haven't got enough time to actually spend, you know, I think with musculoskeletal, with pain, that's already taken most of my research energy. Uh, I think I probably shouldn't be too greedy to expand too far at this stage. <laughs> well, it's good to have goals. Yes, eventually I will look into it. So it sounds to me as though you've got the research bug. Could you explain why does research matter so much, particularly for the physiotherapy profession? I think it's important that we as physio in Australia, we are first contact practitioners. We, we can see patients without doctor's referral, so we should have ourselves well prepared in terms of knowing the, the latest evidence in the field that you're working in. But unfortunately, as a clinician, my past experience is it's hard to have that access to research for just a clinician, just working in a clinic in a, in a community. But regardless, have more up-to-date understanding about the condition we are treating. It's important so we can provide high quality or high value treatments for the patients. That's what I believe. And I can see the barriers for a lot of clinicians for us to have access to the latest research. And the other thing I think is a lot of research evidence we might not be able to directly uh, use in our daily practice. The example is my research looking to the, the brain changes in quadriceps weakness. By the time I finish the study, yes, I have, we will have better understanding of the condition but we don't necessarily know how to better treat the condition. And that will just need further more effort looking to do more research to study how we can use the new evidence we gather to solve the question we encounter in the clinic. 
So effectively, you ask a question, you do the research to get the answer, which then creates a new question. To some extent, yes. I think during the research process, the good thing is you don't know what the outcome would be. We form our hypothesis, but the finding might come up tells you something else. Then you go back. Sometimes you have to go back to the drawing board, and quite often you need to go back to the drawing board or change the research direction, look into different things from different angles. I think this sort of thing we do as a clinician as well when we treat patients. This approach doesn't work. Let's try something else. I think the the principles are pretty much the same. You mentioned before about physios often having barriers to accessing research. Could you explain a little bit more about what you meant when you said that? Yeah. So quite often, for example, if we want to look up something, I think the clear example is if I want to get a a journal article. I don't always have the access. Quite often, I don't. If I don't have any affiliation with the university, you can read the abstract, but you can't read the full articles. And there are a lot of details information would you wouldn't have. And the other thing is, there are a lot of papers published every year, and sometimes it just lost track. And again, with、um, busy clinical practice, you probably don't have time to actually keep yourself track. With all this new development in the research world, and so that's I think the national conference that APA organizes every two years. That's a really good platform for clinicians to get the latest information they can take back to the clinic. But on a daily basis, if you want to have access to the research evidence, it's not it's not that easy, unfortunately. Well, given my job is research translation, maybe we'll talk about this in greater detail after this interview on what ways we can assist in breaking down those barriers. Yes, I wanted to go back a little bit to the Physiotherapy Research Foundation.、Mm-hmm. How did you first hear about the foundation and the opportunity to apply for a grant? I think I always know about the foundation. It's there because I. As a member of APA, you have the opportunity to give some、um, some financial support to the foundation. But as a clinician, I wasn't I wasn't aware what foundation was actually doing. But as I started doing my、uh, PhD, I was encouraged to look for funding opportunity for small grants, and then I realized yes, there's a research foundation embedded in APA. So I look into that and realized yes. There are some funding opportunities, so I try to apply. Actually, I did it. I applied twice. The first time, I wasn't successful. So that also is a learning experience in terms of writing a research grant and the whole application process. And also a lesson to other researchers out there not to give up. <laughs> yes, I think that's really, really important thing. As all my research colleagues that we know that. You got to in there to win it. So just don't give up. Keep trying. Yes, this has been such a fascinating story, and I'm really intrigued to know where post COVID your research career goes. And I love that you're greedy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need more greedy researchers in the industry. Yeah, and need more time and resources as well. <laughs> so, what does it look like for you after you've obviously done this project? Do you have a plan to continue to work as a clinician and researcher, combining the two? Yeah, I must admit this has been my plan 
along the way when I start my PhD. So I keep practice part-time throughout my PhD. So the, the, I guess the idea is to be a clinician. You still see the real world, see the patients, and see what's the problem we still encounter as a clinician. And that experience and I think the in interaction with patients kind of reminds me in terms of why I want to do, do research in the first place. So as long as the circumstances permit, I will continue practice when I pursue my research career in the future. But um, the, you know, the, the hours might vary, the, the area of practice might vary, but I think I would like to see, see myself as a clinician researcher rather than just a researcher. Unfortunately, we are coming to the end of this interview. I hope that we can catch up with you again in the future to see where your research is leading you and the clinical implications of your research. But before I let you go, <laughs> I do want to go back to forestry. <laughs> you must have had some interest in the forest or nature. And I know in COVID, it's highlighted for all of us a desperate need to stay connected to nature. Is this still a passion for you? Yes, yes. So I think the natural has a magic power when you go in there. I experienced that many, many times. So when back in Taiwan, I did quite a few uh, hiking trips to the high mountains. And I really recommend everyone do it once. If you have ever have a chance to visit Taiwan, go up to the high mountains. We have more than 100 mountains higher than 3,000 meters. And the view up there is spectacular. When I was working in the hospital, every time when I went up to the mountain for three, four days, when I came back, I just feel recharged for a few months. So I, I think even though I, I'm not studying forestry and I'm not doing the job related to that, but I think going back to the nature always make me feel refreshed and you kind of feel humble in terms of as a human being in this so massive world, but see the beauty of the, the environment. And I think that that always makes me feel regenerated or rejuvenated after a trip up to the somewhere outdoor. Well, I certainly will put it on my bucket list for when the day arrives where we can leave this country and travel again. And I guess for any listeners that have also added it to their bucket list, they might need to check in with their physio before and after <laughs> the hiking trip. Yes, yes. highly recommended. <laughs> you should do some preparation before you embark the journey like this. <laughs> Weiju, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a fascinating story and I can't wait to hear what's next for you. So please check in with us to see how your research is going in the future. Well, thank you, Claire. Uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you. You've been listening to Researchers on the Record, an Australian Physiotherapy Association production Brought to you by the Physiotherapy Research Foundation and sponsored by Pain Away. To learn more about this episode's guest and the series, head to our website, australian.physio forward slash researchers on the record. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening.